Alright, Ben, I promise this is the only time I'll mention this today. Okay? We'll get it out of the way, and then we won't discuss it again. The red jerseys, through the last three starts, the Jays have worn them with Barrios on the mound, have somehow managed to not be a curse. I know I mention it every single time, and you and I have texted about this even when we're not doing Jays talk. People text it on the text line all the time. They tweet us all the time about the red jerseys. Uh, you know, as of late, not a lot of consternation with them, which is uh, which is nice. I'd still like to personally generally never see them outside of Canada Day. But I, I saw a tweet to you and, and to Ben earlier uh, from Greg McGrath that simply said, Ben, please tell Barrios the Reds are for Canada Day only. So I think people are in agreement, but it's nice. It wasn't, uh, some, it wasn't something that held them back today, it seems. Yes, there was concern that there might be a curse. There was concern. <laughs> I won't say where this concern originated, but there definitely was concern. Now I think we can push that aside. They have won with the red jerseys. Now I... I tend to agree. I just think this is a this is a team that looks great in its home whites. They have a great home white uniform. They've got some nice alternates as well. But Barrios certainly seems to love the Reds. He does. He really does. I remember when I had seen the uh, the news that it was Barrios who specifically picked them out. And uh, hey, I, I kind of did. I question some Barrios judgment there. Absolutely. When I read that, one thousand percent. But hey, it hasn't bit them. As we discuss a Blue Jays 6-3 win over the Orioles. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jays Talk here, of course, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Again, Blue Jays winners 6-3 for the second straight day, actually. They won 6-3 last night as well. They take this series with the win. Now winners of six of their last seven against the O's. I believe, Ben, it means that no matter what happens tonight, the Jays will wake up tomorrow morning with sole possession of first place in the wild card race. So even if the Rays win, even if the Mariners win, doesn't matter. You'd still want to see the other teams take it over those two guys. But no matter if they win or not, the Blue Jays will wake up on Sunday with full first possession of the wild card race. And on Sunday, of course, they will take in with the series sweep with Alec Manoa on the mound. But give us a call. Let's do that. Jays talk. 416-870-0590. 888 590 Star 590 on your cellular device. 590-590 is a text line name and location. Uh, of course, we've got to start, I, I would think, with Jose Barrios, right? Because the, the Barrios over Stripling or Stripling over Barrios conversation has been one that has dominated the, the thoughts of Blue Jays fans, I dare say, for, I don't know, gosh, maybe since the All-Star break, maybe shortly after the All-Star break. And I, I feel like we've gone back and forth. Uh, today, though, on Barrios, it, it certainly seemed... Like he labored a little bit, right, Ben? He was—he didn't have his best pitch. You saw some flashes from the curveball, for for example, but his—you uh, know—it kind of seemed as though there was traffic on the bases pretty much the entire game, right? Like he got through an, an efficient first inning. After that, guys got on for the rest of his entire outing and more or less every inning, maybe apart from the sixth inning. Uh, which was his last inning there. Lots of lefties in the lineup from Brandon High, which is, of course, you do that on purpose. You stack things with the lefties as much as possible against Barrios. Uh, no doubt you want more than five from a guy who's being paid that much money. The calculus seemed to change after Tapia knocked in uh, the bases-clearing double because it certainly seemed like he was done after a 3-2 lead after five. But still, they, they ran him back out there after the sixth inning. He was uh, pretty efficient in that sixth inning as well. And it's important, especially at the day after a bullpen day, for even even with a tax to bullpen, you still feel pretty good about any of those guys at any point. But it's important for him to go a little bit longer after a bullpen day. 
Yeah, Barrios was effective enough today. It was a tough matchup for him, as you said, show with all of those left-handed hitters and switch hitters. And he has really struggled against lefty hitters. That continued today, so that will still be something the Blue Jays have to monitor. He's someone that you have to match up carefully, ideally. I mean, if there's a lineup that has more right-handed hitters as you move into the postseason, maybe that's a good spot for Jose Barrios to pitch. Certainly, if there's a lefty-heavy lineup, you want to be really cautious about that because of the success that lefties have had. So today, we saw him use that change-up more. We saw him work in and out of trouble consistently. We did not see a lot of strikeouts from no, Barrios. No, um, we did see velocity at times from him, uh, but it was a start that was more serviceable than impressive. Uh, but still, the Jays needed it, and it, it certainly helped them toward that second consecutive win. So six innings pitched, seven hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts from Jose Barrios today. He did get the win, so he's 11-5 and five on the air. I know win-loss win records don't mean a whole ton, but still he got his 11th win of the season. Blue Jays improved to 6-0 and oh over his last six starts. And so again, like you said... I think serviceable is definitely the right word. Do you do you think that we had this conversation yesterday? So I feel like it's appropriate to ask, given that he he pitched today, Barrios. Do you think that changes people's minds if they were still on Team Barrios over Stripling for a potential third start, or do you think maybe it, it didn't really have anything to do with that today? Well, for the Blue Jays, they I think they have to assess this case by case. So they're they're going to need both of them. To me. If you had an absolutely neutral matchup where, where on paper Stripling and Barrios were, were both equally favored, I, I think Stripling has still done enough with his consistency this year and with his changeup and, and with all of the things that he does well to probably still be ahead of Stripling. However, Barrios it, it continues to just be good enough that he belongs in that conversation, and, and certainly the Jays will be needing him in some big spots. Absolutely, yeah. I see, I see a couple, uh, a, a number of Burrios texts here on the text line. For example, I see this one from, let's see, this one's from Frank and Keswick, long-haul truck driver tra- traveling across our beautiful country. <laughs> you guys have got to get off Burrios' back. He did his job. He gave you six innings, whether he had runners on base or not. Cut this guy some slack. He did his job. You know what? That's fair. He did his job. If you get six innings from your starter, in the world of 2022 Major League Baseball, six innings out of your starter, and in the end, what, two runs? You probably take that no matter who it is, right? I guess, like, I think it's a fair point from Frank. If the starter is Garrett Cole or Corbin Burns or any, really any starter, if you get six innings and two earned runs, the way bullpens are deployed, generally speaking, across baseball in 2022, you probably take that. Absolutely. And so if we're talking about today only, let's give Jose Barrios credit. He did his job. He is a big reason that the Blue Jays won today. And, and really, after a bullpen game, they needed him. If we're talking about how do they assess things moving forward, then I still think you have to have a critical eye. You still have to look at how he got there. And so that's where we bring in the runners on base. How, how is he striking people out? How is he attacking hitters? And again, there was enough there that you certainly feel confident with Barrios in a big setting if you have to go there, and they probably will. Um, and yet, it's still a 499 ERA, as Ben Shulman said at the end of the broadcast. That reflects a season that has been very inconsistent. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a been an up and down season for Brios, no doubt. But I think in the last, what let's say month maybe of starts for Brios has been a little more consistent, which is what you want to see. Uh, Jeff texting in from Edmonton says, "Hey, if the red jersey has Brios pitching more consistently, then I look forward to them every five days." <laughs> I like that one. Uh, this is no. There's no text. There's no name on this one. I like the red jerseys. They don't replace the regular uniforms. They look good. <laughs> Will people stop whining about them? Matt in uh, Toronto. 
I kind of like the red uniforms. Uh, and in that, they are now a Barrios thing, especially if Barrios keeps delivering six innings and winning games with them. I wish I keep hearing people on the radio being very critical of him. I wish they would cut him a little more slack. He has been pitching out of trouble, but he has also been giving his team a chance to win. And this one from Chris in Vancouver. Nice to see Barrios battle today. Didn't have his curve, but got by with the fastball and changeup against the heavy lefty lineup. Good to see he can still compete without his best pitch. I think that's a good point from Chris because we have seen in the games where Barrios has gotten into trouble and has been unable to get himself out of jams, it's the breaking balls have not been breaking as much as you want, not, much, not as much run on some of those pitches. And then when he does go to the fastball, it gets smoked, right? And so today, didn't see that a whole ton, especially against a team like the Orioles that, like you and Ben were talking about during the broadcast, a lot of switch hitters, a lot of lefty hitters as well. It was a uh, not the most inspiring performance from the Orioles hitters regardless. Like outside of maybe Vavra, Rutschman, and Gunnar Henderson, certainly. Maybe one other guy. If you want to add Kyle Stowers in there, he's a rookie as well. Maybe he'll be in the plans uh, going forward. A lot of the uh, veterans on this team for the Orioles did not have very competitive at-bats. And whether you want to chalk that up to them not playing well or Barrios just being able to get their number today, it's, it's up to you. But I, I'd lean more towards Barrios being effective, like Chris said, even without his best pitch. And, and once again, too, we should give credit to the bullpen because they were able to give three innings after Barrios departed. So Tim Meza in there for a scoreless seventh. Jimmy Garcia did give up a run, but still able to strike out a couple batters. And Jordan Romano working around that Adley Rushman walk to pitch a scoreless ninth. So that's another three innings, just one run allowed from the bullpen. After a bullpen day, this bullpen has really supported what the starting rotation has done. I do want to talk about the bullpen. We'll get to the phone lines here, though, in a second. But first, the Adley Rutschman AB against Romano in the top of the ninth. I got to say, very, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. I don't know if I'm quite ready to say Rutschman is like a top five catcher just yet. I mean, he's a rookie. There's plenty of time for that later on. But, I mean, if he's not, he's very close. Yeah, I think it was a very impressive at-bat. Totally agree with you there, show. And to me, he is one of the top five catchers okay. in baseball right. right now. All right, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think of, I'm trying to list them in my head here. I mean, I'd probably take, like, Salvador Perez. I'd probably take, like, Will Smith and JT Real Muto. Uh, Who else? Yeah, maybe not. You either. need two more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good. What, Yasmani Grandal, maybe, no, but no, he's no. been injured a lot no, this year. He hasn't yeah. played a ton this season. It's true. No, it's true. So I, I, I'm guilty of thinking about things, I, I freely admit, in like a fantasy baseball perspective yeah, sure. sometimes. Absolutely. But it's true. Maybe you're right. Maybe he is like in that four or five spot. Absolutely. He's been he has been very, very good this season. Uh let's get to uh the phone lines though. Four one six eight seven oh zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell phone, one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. You can also text us again at five ninety five ninety. Leave your name and location. But on the phone lines right now, Ian calling in from Toronto. Ian, how's it going? Welcome to Jay's Doc. Good, how are you guys? Good man, thanks for calling in. What do you want to talk about? Uh, so one, Berrios, and Berrios has had ups and downs all year, but I mean, I was just looking at it. He's had, in his last six starts, almost everyone's qualified as a quality start. He, his ERA is basically three. I think maybe he's starting to figure it out, but like you said, if he doesn't have his secondary pitches, then, uh, people are going to just sit on his fastball and they're just going to rake all day. With regards to Adley Rushman, uh, if he he is top five right now in my book, and he will be number one very soon. I mean, the kid has all the talent in the world, especially after he came up at the beginning. Uh, one question that I have is with uh, the playoffs coming around, and let's 
be honest, I think the Jays have cleared enough space with Baltimore at this point that they don't necessarily have to worry if they go 500 from here on. We're good to go for the playoffs. Does Kikuchi actually get on the playoff roster? Oh, gosh. Thanks thanks, thanks for the call, Ian. I appreciate it, man. Drive safe. Sounds like you're in your car. Drive safe. Um, Gosh, Kikuchi. I would think – I hate to say yes. (laughs) I would think probably yes, if only because – well, I guess if we're talking about the active 25-man roster – Maybe not, but if we're talking about that full 40-man roster, probably. But uh, 25-man, 26-man playoff roster, eh. If he's not on there, is anyone going to be too upset? I think probably yes, if only because they... they who else fills that spot, essentially? Would you rather have, like we talked about yesterday, Taylor Sacedo or Mac Age? Like, where, where do you fall on that? It's a, it's a great question, Ian. Thanks for the call. Uh, I assume the Jays are having these discussions internally. If they aren't now, they will have to at some point soon. I think the alternate would be a Mitch White uh, to Kikuchi. You're going to want someone who can absorb four or five innings in a low leverage situation in case something happens in game one and you're down eight to one and you just don't want to burn your top relievers. Well, you need to have someone available. And to me, I would lean Mitch White over Kikuchi in that situation. I do not think Kikuchi has a guaranteed spot on the Blue Jays' playoff roster. There could be configurations, depending on injury, depending on how things match up against the opponent that they have in the first round, where Kikuchi is on. But I think no guarantees for him at this point. Yeah, and well, how could there be, right? How could there be guarantees for Kikuchi at this point? I think we have all seen, fans and media, I think we've all seen enough from Kikuchi to kind of know what he is at this point. And again, last night... Didn't uh, didn't damage the Blue Jays too too much, and uh, it will be interesting to see. Well, I guess it'll have to. It'll depend on how tomorrow's game goes because there's an off day on Monday, and then they go to Philly for two, and then they play Tampa Bay. I think for the last time this season uh, in Tampa Bay yep. at the Trop. So it'll be interesting to see how much Kikuchi is used between now and let's say next weekend, right? Because they're going to come back home. Uh, well, I guess they're coming back home next. Not tomorrow, but not this coming Monday, but the following Monday. They're going to come back home and take on the Yankees. So between tomorrow's game against the Orioles, two against the Phillies, three against the Rays, I'll be fascinated to see how a bullpen that has been taxed pretty heavily will be able to be deployed given that Kikuchi was, is almost certainly going to appear at some point here, I would think. Well, and I think in the regular season, there's definitely a use for Kikuchi uh, where if there's a low-leverage situation, Someone has to pitch those innings, and you don't want it to be one of your prime uh, relievers. Obviously, your starting pitchers are going to be out if that's the situation. So there's there's a role there uh, for someone like a Kikuchi just to get you through in the playoffs. You need someone to pick to be available for that as well. Yeah. But again, I, I think Mitch White has to be in that discussion too. Nate Pearson, he's on the playoff roster. First, he's got to be on the on the regular season <laughs> roster. One step at a time, show. I see I see a text here. Uh, this is from you, actually, Ben. Nadim texting in from Whitby. When does Nate get a look this season uh, after his next AAA, if his next AAA start goes well? Do they want to add him to the rotation for the postseason, or is it too late to trust him with any leverage for this season? And then there's another text here. Uh, hi, Mark from Thorold. Do you guys feel that in 10 to 14 days, Nate Pearson will be on the Blue Jays roster? I do. So some optimism about Nate Pearson. Honestly, for me, I don't know where you fall on, on Nate Pearson these days, Ben. I, if Nate Pearson throws even one pitch at the major league level, that's a ringing success as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think that that would definitely be the next step that he has to take is to, is to get here um, and to get a chance. I, I, the question for me is, who are you taking out of the bullpen 
um, for Pearson. Maybe some people are thinking, okay, Kikuchi. Um, however, you know, it's not quite as simple as that. Kikuchi has indicated a willingness to go to the minor leagues in the past. Um, at this point in the season, uh, it's it's certainly getting late for for that sort of a reset for any pitcher. Um, I don't know that you're taking out, obviously, Amaza, Richards, Phelps, Bass, Simber, Garcia, Romano, Merriweather. They have all shown themselves to be valuable contributors. You're not just going to dispose of them. Yeah. Zach Pop has maybe a bit more of a precarious hold on a bullpen spot. I, I just don't think the Blue Jays are going to go out of their way to get Pearson up here unless he really forces his hand. Zach Pop is such an intriguing player to me because he has that pitch that induces like some abs- an absurd rate of ground balls, essentially, right? And I don't know if we're, we saw him to close out a game the other day. I don't know if that's something you're going to see too, too often, but I think it was Blair who was telling me, and he had said this on Blair and Barker, and he and I were chatting about this as well. I think it was on one of the Jays' pregame shows about a week or two ago, but how the Jays feel like they really have something special in Zach Pop. Like he's going to have to, in the off season go down to that player performance complex they have down in Florida and Dunedin, and uh, they're going to work on some some pitch mix type stuff. There's been interesting comments about not just Pete Walker, but how the Blue Jays staff and their, their all the people, you know, all the analytics you, they use to, to improve pitches and, and identify what works for one particular guy and what doesn't work for someone else. I think they, they are very optimistic from what I've heard about Zach Pop, which is pretty interesting. So we haven't seen a whole lot of Zach Pop since they acquired him at the trade deadline. I mean, he, he played a little bit, and then he was sent down. Basically, I think there was some roster juggling going on there with options and whatnot. He is back up now, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a role Zach Pop plays because, obviously, you go out there and you grab a guy like Zach Pop. You don't, you don't do that without thinking you're going to use him in some meaningful ways going forward. And, and that might be 2023 more so than 2022, whereas Bass is someone who is contributing now. He's here very much for leverage in the present day, and the Blue Jays will need him in that capacity. Certainly, the bullpen, not just today, has been better, but in the course of the last couple months, they deserve a lot of credit, and the Jays will need that to continue as they move ahead here because there's more leverage coming for this team. Let's go to the phone lines, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. You can always text us at 590-590, name and location as well. Eddie calling in from Fort Erie. Eddie, how's it going, man? Happy weekend. Same to you, show and Ben. How's it going today? Good. It's always uh, always fun when we can talk about a win against your AL East division rivals rather than a loss, eh, Eddie? Oh, certainly, certainly, especially the Orioles this year. I mean, like... uh, It's been like uh, you know what I, I gotta say like like this year I never obviously never saw it coming from the Orioles you know every time we see them it's like okay we can just kick back put our feet up have a cocktail and watch the Blue Jays beat the tar out of them but this year not so much and you know that was like sort of a wake up call be like okay maybe uh, we shouldn't do that anymore at least for the time being but uh, uh, good thing that they've put some distance on them and I'm happy for them now I want to talk about a couple of things from the game uh, first of all I agree. Um, Rios kind of labored a little bit. I really thought, though, guys, in that fourth inning, because there's there's two things I want to say from the fourth inning. I really thought when the Orioles were sitting on his changeup and they were hitting it like from one side of the field to the other, and I know Pete Walker came out a few times and you know talked to him saying, "Jose, they're sitting on your changeup. You got to like you know throw some more fastballs and that sort of thing." And that combined for. The fact when I saw the shadows creeping in, I'm like, oh no, what is he gonna do? Like, is he gonna like go back to the changeup? You know, because it was really kind of messed up, and you know, like for your planning and that sort of thing. But I'm glad he got through it, and 
and that's good. And you know what? In that inning, when the Orioles were trying to steal a run home, didn't that kind of give you a flashback from that Cubs series a little bit? Because A little bit, like, yeah. Yeah, because I really thought they were going to steal that run, but I don't know what Mullins was thinking. Like, I don't know if he missed a sign because he got caught flat-footed, and I thought right there, that's the turning point of the game right there because it was 3-2. to two. If they scored that run, who knows what could have happened. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Hey, Eddie, appreciate the call, man. I uh, I yep. think I think that's uh, you're absolutely right. I think the the Orioles. I don't want to say they entirely shot themselves in the foot the whole game, but that error they committed mid-game, and then of course the Tapia takes advantage of it with with I think is what it was an er- an error, and then two straight walks, and then Tapia bangs one to the wall, and the Blue Jays get get the last couple runs of the game there, but. I uh, I do agree the uh, the Orioles the Orioles turning back into the Orioles of like April and May at the very end of the season after what was truly a scorcher mid of a run they went on because what what was it leading into the All Star break it was like they had swept four straight series including a couple of really good teams the Orioles they're they're fascinating because they're still such a young club. They're going to make mistakes, undoubtedly. It, it was interesting today, even. You saw Gunnar Henderson get eaten up by a ball right there on the uh, on the infield dirt. And then, what, an inning later, he makes a very nice double play, sweeps the foot across second base and gets the ball to first for the double play. It, it just You're going to see this both kind of sides of this as the Orioles mature. It's something we kind of saw to a degree from the Blue Jays last season. I don't want to draw too many parallels there because they're, they're different clubs, but at the same time, this, I think it happens with young teams. I think that's exactly right, where a lot of the time you'll see the Blue Jays, or, or, or the Orioles in this case, making mistakes that are avoidable. And, and I think Eddie is 100% right to identify that Mullins didn't have a great read on that play and that potentially cost the Orioles. We did see some defensive mistakes, one of which was scored a hit for, for Vladdy to reach there in the seventh inning. Um, we also saw an error from the Orioles. So they were not their most polished today. And I think what we're seeing is the blend where you see these mistakes that you will get from a young team. And you will also see the flashes of brilliance like we saw from Rushman, like we've seen from Henderson in this series. And in contrast to that, I think the Blue Jays deserve some credit for doing some things really well. They played a sound defensive game today. And also, There were moments where Springer was busting it down the line. Vladdy was pushing down the line. And these players have said publicly they want to try to do the little things right. Well, those are some examples of doing the little things right. And, of course, it's a cliche. Of course, it only gets you so far. You need talent as well. You need some good fortune on your side. But that's one element of it. And the Jays did bring that today. Uh, before we get out of here, Ben, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do the Bet365 standings update. We'll go back to the phone lines, back to the text lines. I just wanted to read this one last text. This is from Brandon in Langley, British Columbia. He just says, I heard your top five catchers, but I didn't hear Kirk. Where do you have Alejandro Kirk? That's a, I think that's a fascinating question because Alejandro Kirk, as we all know, starter in the All-Star game, tremendous, tremendous season in the first half of the year. Fell off to a certain degree at, after the All Star break. It's not that as though he's been bad. It's just he just hasn't had an All Star caliber second half of the season. Certainly on, not on the IL right now, but dealing with the hip tightness. Maybe we see Kirk tomorrow to catcher Manoa. I think that's generally speaking the plan, unless things go awry between now and first pitch tomorrow. But top five catchers. I mean, because for me, I, I was thinking about this more when I was when I was reading this text from Brandon. If Rutschman is five, we I, I said Perez. Will Smith, who plays for the Dodgers. JT Real Muto, of course, plays for the Phillies, who we're going to see next week, certainly. 
Uh, I think the only other guy I could think of maybe Wilson Contreras for the Cubs. He's he's also very good as well. He had a very very good season this year. Apart from, I mean, like, are you really taking like Mitch Garver or? I don't know, Jose Trevino or any of these guys. I would probably take Alejandro Kirk above those guys. So if that's the case, if Rutschman is five, then Kirk, for me, is probably in that six, to six, seven, eight range. And maybe Kirk's in the top five as maybe. well. He yeah, certainly yeah. Sure. deserves some, some uh, credit for the season that he's had. Really talented offensive player, of course, and he's come around defensively. So I, I think you could make a strong case, and, and certainly uh, Jays fans have seen exactly – just how much of a difference Alejandro Kirk can make in the course of a game, in the course of a season. So he deserves some credit in that conversation. You think? Uh, you think Christian Vasquez is a top ten catcher? Top ten? I mean, he's in more of a part-time role now. I, I yeah, it's debatable. You got Dal- Dalton Varsho too, yeah, kind yeah. of a hybrid catcher, yeah. outfielder, probably deserves some some credit in these discussions. Vasquez, uh, a very good catcher, probably top half of the league. I don't know if I'm saying top ten. Yeah, you, yeah, that's when you get into the like the Ryan Jeffers, Omar Narvaez type of guys, and I mean, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of players that can be more easily bunched in that like eight to fifteen range than you can with the, like the top six, seven, basically, right? But I would, I think I got Kirk in there, but I, it's a I, it's a good question. I appreciate the text from uh, Brandon in Langley, British Columbia. All right, we're gonna step aside, take a very quick break. When we come back, we will get back to the Bet Three Six Five standings update. Back to your phone phone calls and your text messages. After this, you're listening to Jay's Talk Show and Ben on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Just gotta be able to to make that happen. Uh, you know, I've been saying to myself like we are on you know down the stretch. I know where we are, like like a team, like a group. So wanna make be 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 part of them and you know trying to do my best, do my work out there. Every five that I pitch out there. So like I say, just gotta be be able to to make that happen. That is Jose Barrios speaking to the media after today's 6-3 win for the Blue Jays over the Orioles. Six innings pitched, seven hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts. Blue Jays are 6-0 in Barrios' last six starts. Welcome back to Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Ben Nicholson-Smith here with you until the top of the hour. Uh, let's quickly, Ben, before we get back to the phone lines and the text lines, let's look at the Bet365 standings update with Bet365. You can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So as the wild card pertains, actually, the the uh, both Amer- so the Rays are playing right now, and the Mariners and Yankees are playing later tonight. So the Yankees are going to take on the Brewers at, I believe it's at 7 o'clock. So that game actually starts in about 30 minutes or like 25 minutes from now. Uh, Jameson Tyone is going to start for the Yankees, and Brandon Woodruff will go for the Brewers. That's going to be a fun one to watch at 7 o'clock later tonight, Eastern time, of course. And the Mariners will continue to take on the Angels. I believe that game's in Los Angeles. So uh, Shohei Otani on the mound for the Angels tonight, and George Kirby will go for the Mariners. So that's another very good matchup. Uh, Rays right now up one nothing. I believe it's a David Peralta RBI single or a sack fly, but David Peralta has the Rays up one nothing on the Rangers early on. The good thing is that no matter what happens tonight, whether in this Rays game, the Mariners game, the Yankees game, what have you, no matter what happens tonight, Ben, the Blue Jays will wake up on Sunday morning with sole possession of first place in the wildcard race, which is huge. Which, which what sixteen games remaining now after today's ball game? That's a pretty big. That's pretty big, and it's it's even better that. The fourth, I guess, team for the, in the wild card race after Toronto, Seattle, Tampa Bay are the Baltimore Orioles. Jays are now seven games up on the O's. And the Jays have earned it. They've played very well. They're in a position now where 
if they needed it, they would have a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of room for error between them and the teams pushing, such as the Baltimore Orioles. Now, on the other side of that, they are creating pressure for the Yankees. And so best case scenario for the Blue Jays, the Yankees lose, they keep losing, and then in nine or ten days' time when the Yankees get here, the Blue Jays have a chance to really push and gain further ground against the Yankees. But even barring that, even if the Yankees continue keeping pace with the Jays, and New York in its last 10 games, 7-3, and three, they're playing good baseball, so you can't assume that they're just going to fall off. But if nothing else, you're putting pressure on them, you're forcing them to use some players instead of resting them, and that can only be a good thing as the Yankees and the Astros are big obstacles for the Blue Jays if they want to get to the World Series. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you look at the Yankees upcoming game so they're finishing this series against the brewers this weekend they have still to take on apart from the series against the blue jays which is coming not this coming week but the following week but you take that one out of there they're taking on the orioles the pirates the red sox and the rangers all teams that in theory they should just dispose of but having said that we know the chaos of baseball the yankees since the all-star break have not been playing very well just generally speaking they've also had a lot of injuries i believe dj lemay who has not been cleared to for live bp i don't think just quite yet some of the guys in the bullpen uh, still you know still on the mend as well I'm not saying this to generate sympathy for the Yankees by, by any means here on JSTOP. Mostly just that it's definitely possible for the Yankees to completely crater and then Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman probably both get fired after a, after a, what, like a 17 and a half game lead atop the division in June. But it is still, generally speaking, unlikely because it's a, like it's the, them and the Mariners both have pretty easy schedules between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and the Yankees should take advantage of that. They're still the overwhelming favorites to win the American League East, in which case they will go right through to the division series, and the Blue Jays will have to earn their way to the division series. At this point, though, they have put themselves in that position where they are building just the tiniest little bit of a lead over the Rays, over the Mariners, for the right to be that number one wildcard seed and potentially host three or two games here at sure. Rogers Center yeah. next month. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines again. 416-870-0590. Star 590 on your cell. one 590 Jude calls in from London. Jude, welcome to Jay's Talk. Hey, thank you guys. So here's the thing. Uh, I'm just going to throw a twist on you with Barrios. I'm a believer in him. But I want you guys to think about this. If Barrios is not our third starter in the playoffs, what does that mean for his long-term contract with us? Because to me, I think, you know, Shapiro and Ross want to build for also the years to come. And maybe I'm being kind of flighty here, but I, I say put him in. Make him the third starter. Stripling definitely deserves maybe a playoff spot but if i'm going to go with my three pitchers i'm also going to invest a guy that i've invested in for the next few years great great question thanks for the call and it's a, a topic that i think a lot of blue jays fans are really wondering about here as the season comes to an end you know to me some of this will be dictated by matchups some of this will be dictated by who that opponent is right. what kind of lineup they are likely to have and so you don't want to put yourself in a corner where you're saying Barrios is our number three, therefore he must pitch in the third game. Instead, you want to stay flexible. You want to make sure that you're checking in with the pitchers from a rest standpoint, matchups, all those different things. I mean, it's possible. 
that the Blue Jays, if they're pushing on that final weekend of the season, might not even have Manoa and Gosman lined up for games one and two. It might be a different configuration. So, you know, you have to stay flexible. I think the Jays, the way Barrios has pitched in the last, let's say, month or so, sure. they can be open to using Barrios in that number three spot. And maybe it'll turn out that way and maybe it'll work out great. But I think they have to be equally open to using Ross Stripling because, man, has Ross Stripling ever Ooh. been great this season? Yeah, he has been absolutely phenomenal. I, I said this to you before, but just I, I just truly don't know where the Blue Jays would be had Ross Stripling. Let, let's just say there's like an alternate reality where Hyunjin Ryu never got injured or he never got injured badly enough to, for him to be out for the entire season. And then you're kind of ping-ponging Stripling between the starting rotation in the bullpen and Ryu is getting a start every like 10 days or something like that. I, I'm honestly I don't know where the Blue Jays would be. They may, maybe they're maybe they're not in a playoff hunt right now, or maybe or maybe maybe they're just out of it. Things are closer with the Orioles. Maybe it would have all worked out, but there's no doubt that Stripling has been a, a stabilizing presence. I do want to get to this text here, uh, Ben here from Tony and Kitchener. Garcia has never been good after not having a day or two of rest. He pitched on the 14th yesterday and today. I find he is more effective when he gets two good days of rest because he got the job done even after giving up a run. Uh, I will cut him some slack, but we know the implications of the games. He doesn't have the luxury right now to be rested in no way, shape, or form should a team be having a bullpen day in September. Well, thankfully, I think we're I think we're not going to see any more bullpen days unless something catastrophic happens. I don't think we're going to see any more bullpen days. But I agree with Tony. Jimmy Garcia, I dare say, Ben, has been the Jays, maybe after Jordan Romano, and maybe, maybe even if you want to include Jordan Romano, Jimmy Garcia has been the Jays' most reliable reliever all season long. He has been the guy all season he certainly seems to be a guy who demands the ball. I think there's probably there's probably a little bit of that went into him coming back out for a second consecutive day. I do imagine, though, because he he threw quite a few pitches today, did look a little fatigued, which is what Tony is saying, where he gave up the home run yesterday to Henderson, gave up an RBI single, a hit to Henderson, then I guess it was the RBI single to Favre, I guess, at the very end of the game. So maybe a little bit fatigued. I would imagine that means we don't see... Uh, Jimmy Garcia tomorrow, especially with an off day on, on Monday. Exactly. I agree with that completely. I think Tony's point is a good one. Uh, the last, and I haven't checked the numbers on this recently, but the last time I did look, he, his numbers certainly bear that trend out where he is more effective if he has multiple days of rest, which makes sense. Certainly the case for, for a lot of relievers. I, yeah, I think Romano has been their best reliever all year. No question about that in my mind, but, but, Really, Jimmy Garcia is is a close second. He's certainly been a great signing when you think about $11 million over two years. They've gotten great production from him this year. As you move ahead into 2023, definitely a reliever you want on your team. I honestly thought we would see David Phelps instead of Garcia in the eighth inning today. And, and, and again, not surprising we saw Jordan Romano. I actually thought no matter what happened, I kind of thought we were going to see Jordan Romano in the ninth inning today only because he just hasn't pitched a lot this week. I think he threw 11 pitches on Monday and then Ben was saying he threw three pitches on Tuesday and then today's Saturday. So he hasn't pitched a whole ton, which means that Maybe we even see Jordan Romano tomorrow for maybe even more than three outs if that's what they need because there's, again, the off day on, on Monday and he hasn't pitched a whole lot. He didn't throw a lot of pitches today specifically either. So Jordan Romano, and he he's a guy who is clearly up for being a bit of a workhorse. Blue Jays don't want to overwork Romano with, what, 16 games left to go in the season. But I, I imagine he's available. I got to think you're going to see Phelps tomorrow, though. At some point, you're seeing Phelps tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call right there, depending on how things unfold. And, and with Romano, too, you've got a couple of weeks, right? Like, if this was the final week of the regular season, maybe you're, you're finding ways to, to scale back. At this point, they still have that 
that uh, need to create separation between the Rays and the Mariners. So you need to win these games, really push the Orioles aside. Now that lead is already seven games, have a chance to make that eight tomorrow. And, and of course, the Yankees still at least a, a possibility. You don't want to yeah. rule that out. So that means it is time to push. Um, it's not time to try to get Romano a few days of rest ahead of the playoffs, which they should do. And of course, they should do that for Jimmy Garcia as well. But at this point, you still have enough season left where you can do some different things. You know, I will credit John Schneider with this. Just the simple idea that I feel like since he has become the interim manager, and I think there's a, a better than good chance that he will be the permanent manager as soon as next season. They have to wait until the end of the year to do all that stuff, I'm sure. But like, if the, the day after the season ends, whenever that may be, I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see some kind of press release come out and say, John Schneider has had the interim tag removed. But having said that, what I want to give him credit for is he has instilled a sense of, and again, I know this is kind of a buzzword, but an, a sense of urgency into what you see from the Blue Jays, not just on the field. I remember, remember his very first game as interim manager, the hit and runs and all these, they're being very aggressive on the base paths. You want to see that, certainly. But managing with urgency as it comes to deploying the bullpen and, and you know, maybe pulling a guy one pitch too early rather than pulling him a one pitch too late probably seems to be the, the John Schneider MO. Definitely seems to be the case with the bullpen because, like you said, they deploy the top guys more readily when when they know they can go for a series win and really put the foot on the gas pedal and get out of there with a win, a series win like they did today, this weekend, rather than being a little more tentative and saying, okay, well, this series is in the bag, put Phelps out there, and then maybe we use the other guys tomorrow. Yeah, and really, that's only going to get more interesting because when the Jays are in the playoffs, and I think at this point it's becoming really, really likely that they're going to be in the playoffs in some form. Yeah. When that happens, it's going to be extremely interesting to see how Schneider deploys his bullpen because you have to manage differently in the playoffs. The stakes are higher. You have to have a quicker hook for your starting pitchers. Even Gosman, even Manoa, you have to be willing to go hard with your relievers. And the Jays have some very good ones there. Um, at the same time, you know the, the, the read on how those guys are doing at that point in time is essential. You have to know how they're doing physically, mentally, all of those things. So it adds up to a really interesting dynamic as the Jays, of course, with Pete Walker in that mix, try to get the most out of this pitching staff and have it push them forward as it really has the last couple days. Uh, before we get out of here, I just want to read this last text. Starting to feel very comfortable with the back-end lineup. Bench guys, Tapia, Merrifield, Bradley Jr., the Espinal, Biggio, Platoon. They seem to have adjusted to their roles and settled in, which is super important for postseason success. Luke from New Hamburg. Appreciate the text. Absolutely. Raimel Tapia with a bases-clearing double. We've seen some better ABs from Whit Merrifield as of late. We've seen the same thing from Danny Jansen as of late. We have seen, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I'm sure when he comes back, is going to be in there as well. Matt Chapman included in there, I think, too. Uh, you're seeing better ABs from a lot of the guys in the bottom of the order. Consistency is key, especially as we approach the postseason, but uh, it's always fun. Ben, this was fun, man. So much fun. Thanks for having me on show. That does it for Jays Talk tonight. Appreciate the calls and texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links meets next. Feed your wild side baseball fans. Jays beat the O's 6-3 for the second straight game. Tomorrow, Alec Manoa will head to the mound. Dean Kramer will go for Baltimore. Blair and Barker will wrap things up against the O's tomorrow afternoon before the off day on Monday. We'll talk to you on Sunday afternoon.